0: For the first time in forever, there's an episode of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. That's what we're going to talk about. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. Hello. And today we are finally getting back to reviewing the rise and fall of Mars Hill. It has been a while since they put an episode out Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: boy, did they put out a doozy. So before we dive into that, honey, is there anything you would like to say? (laughs) I know there isn't, so we'll Uh. just move along. (laughs) Um, We always think about this before we start the show, like, hey, do you want to say anything or pray about anything? And we're like, nope. Nothing, so um, I will, uh, since we should ask you for prayer, because we should always be asking well, for prayer, yeah. uh, just pray for us, pray for this podcast. Um, if you listen listening to it and you enjoy it, uh, pray for us that, you know, God would enlighten us and give us, you know, new motivation and, you know, new understanding and ways to spread this podcast and find a new audience and. All those sorts of things, because we really enjoy it, that's our heart, and we uh, want to bring good godly messages to you guys and uh, yeah, so just pray for us and I was really looking forward to talking about a more biblical topic this week, one that's been really wanting Damn. to get to for a while. Uh, we're going to base it on a sermon, so maybe next week we'll get to
1: that. I knew this would come out and because then you Mars have something Hill. You wanted to talk about. Yep.
0: Which I meant, you know, this is episode 11 and there's only 12 episodes. So kind of wrapping it up here and, you know, I'll be honest, I'm getting a bit exhausted. Like when I saw that there was a new episode out, I was kind of like, oh man, I don't really want to spend the time listening to this, but I thought it was a good episode. Um, So just kind of before we dive into specific things and we're going to do this much the same way we always do. Um, and this was an incredibly long episode. If you didn't listen to it yet, it's two and a half hours long. So it's basically three shows rolled into one. There's um, a lot
1: of names. It's just hard to remember who each person is. They're talking about and
0: yeah, because this one if you basically, wanna... if I can just give a quick synopsis, they basically take they take you back to the first episode. So basically, where the first episode starts. You know, the the last 10 episodes have kind of led you down this path. And then Mm -hmm. episode 11 picks it up and sort of ends back where one started kind of a thing. So neat little, um, you know, timeline there, but it's a lot to get into. So like we always do, we're not going to break down the entire episode. Um, We would encourage you to listen to it yourself, but we're going to kind of pull out the things that we thought were interesting or fascinating, or maybe we agreed or disagreed with. And just our overall take of the episode and then, you know, let you go and listen to it and decide for yourself. So um, before we get into the specifics, is there, what was your initial impression of the episode?
1: I don't know. It's a lot to take in, like you said. Because you texted
0: me like halfway through you uh, listening to it.
1: I was just like, all right. Uh, Mark definitely was not uh ready or if God even ever called him. Although God uses all things, God did good things through it all. I just like there's something odd about Mark. He's got a lot of issues.
0: That's for sure. Um <laughs> and you know, we've had our issues with the Christianity today reporting, you know, because in large part this podcast has been not so much And this is maybe my biggest complaint about the podcast series in general. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. But 90% of it is basically, you know, Mark Driscoll was an awful dude and ruined a great church. Is kind of the theme Mm -hmm. running through there. And that's been my big complaint about this podcast up to this point. But in this episode, um, probably more so than any other episode, you really start seeing some big character flaws in Mark Driscoll. Again, I don't think it necessarily changes my opinion from where it was before this episode launched.
1: Like it's not all on him because other people noticed things and never spoke up. They're all a lot of people say, oh, I, you know, I should have listened to my initial um, thoughts or feelings or, you know, something stood out to me a long time ago and I should have said something back then.
0: Yeah. And that's been, again, my biggest contention here. You know, we've gotten pushback earlier on. It's been a little while, but, you know, some of our earlier episodes where we sort of defended Driscoll a little bit and people think maybe that we're kind of like Driscoll apologists and we try not to be. We have said he's obviously guilty of the things he's mm-hmm. done, but there were so many more issues in that church than just Mark Driscoll. right? And I think maybe, I don't feel like Christianity Christianity today is trying to highlight that. They seem to try to be dumping everything on Mark Driscoll, yeah, but through their just simple reporting and podcasting, it just jumps out to me that like, man, this church had so many weak uh mm-hmm. like weak links. Yeah. and yes, Driscoll was the biggest, weakest link problem. I mean, he's the big dog, he's the lead pastor, he's obviously ultimately responsible. I don't know, well, maybe not ultimately responsible. I mean, everyone had their own part to play, but you know obviously he takes the brunt of it, but man, there were so many flaws in this church, yeah. and it's a real shame because I still stand by the Mark Driscoll that launched Mars Hill in the late '90s is a that Mark Driscoll is a pastor we need mm-hmm. today um, with that mindset and that sort of heart for the ministry that he was launched into and I definitely still think there's a probably a greater need today for that mini- ministry and that um, line of teaching than there even was in the late 90s Um, so it's definitely a shame
1: that's what got everybody initially on board they wanted to be a part of that and it's what it was turning into that Mm. people started backing away and realized they're stuck because they love the people in the church and they knew what it meant if you resigned that you were cut off not just from going to church but it's like everybody just ignored you like you didn't exist.
0: Yeah, it definitely seemed pretty weird. Um, And I do want to mention, just before we dive into our first topic, there is another um, show that does reviews on... Well, they did a review. So it's a podcast called Cultish that is put on, I believe, by Apologia Studios. Um, And they do a review of Mars Hill. And theirs is more of like a entire show review. So there was probably only 10 episodes when they did the review. So they kind of take all of it, but they have a former Mars Hill, um, pastor, I believe that comes on there and kind of interviews. So it's just another take because, Mm -hmm. you know, again, we've gotten pushback and pretty serious pushback that, you know, people are like, Hey, how dare you say these things? You know, I went to Mars Hill and they're super offended by what we said. So if you want to go and get a more, um, authentic because we've told you the only thing we know of Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill is Christianity today's podcast. And we're trying to keep it that way so that we're not biased in what we hear. Cause our, you know, the reason we did this podcast is we heard reporting on this church. And by about episode five, I was like, man, they got atheists on here, trashing the church. They got all this stuff going on. Like, all right, we need to start talking about this. So. Uh, that's why we've tried to stay biased a little bit and just listen to it. Like somebody else might listen to it. What's your first impression? Because you know, media podcast documentaries and stuff like this have a way mm-hmm. of swaying you to a certain opinion. And I think Christianity today is trying to sway you that this yeah. Mark Driscoll guy is yeah. a really awful dude. And then if you listen to this cultish podcast and I'll try to have it linked in the show notes, um, you know, the, the pastor that they interview and the point that they come to a lot is much the same that we come to, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of flaws in there. Mark Driscoll wasn't necessarily this, you know, super awful guy. And they sort of point out the fact that it looks like Christianity, Christianity today is really just trying to dog on the reformed Christian faith mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so a little bit different take than what we've seen. So
1: yeah, just he made a little jab at MacArthur in that. Yeah. Like he had no sense of humor or something or,
0: And if you listen to this episode, John MacArthur's brought up in here. Yeah. And if you are, you know, in the Mars Hill, Mark Driscoll camp, then maybe you do have a little more negative take on John MacArthur than, you know, someone like us who we love John MacArthur. We think he's fantastic. So, um, but that's it. That's kind of our overview leading into this. So, um, I will lead off with the first point just because it really got under my skin and It's not an I told you so, but I have gotten pushed back on this um, for my stance, and I not that I need to feel vindicated, but I felt like it was even more highlighted that my assumptions were correct, and that was Jesse Bryan. Mm -hmm. Man, as bad as they try to make Mark Driscoll look, I still think Jesse Bryan was the worst thing involved in that church. Um, Maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but he was awful. And he came off really, really bad in this episode.
1: I don't know why he's always in there.
0: I don't know what Mike Cosper sees (laughs) in. And it's so weird too because like everybody talks glowingly of Jesse Bryan, like the Mike Anderson guy who gets interviewed, even in previous episodes, he talks about his close relationship with Jesse Bryan. (laughs) Like, what kind of spell did this dude have over the people of that church? And in this episode. Man, he, he just stood out to me like a gigantic cancer in that church. Um, mm-hmm. There is a point where he talks about, first off, he drops curse words yeah. quite a lot in this episode, which I don't understand why Mike Cosper, um, again, is bringing that in Jesse Bryan into his podcast. But
1: like that must be how he talked at the church all the time, too.
0: And it must be what normal Christians like to hear when it comes to breaking down a church because everyone else seems to think, yeah, let atheists say whatever they want about our church. So I don't get it, but um, he was in there and the point that jumped out to me, because he gets interviewed a lot, but he talks about Sutton Turner and when Sutton Turner, you know, comes into the church or whatever, and he's like making fun of Sutton Turner Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, this dude walks in and he's got his stupid Harvard ring on. and
1: Like, what does that matter? You
0: know, and then he's talking about how, like, Mark basically told Jesse Bryan, I need you to submit to Sutton Turner. Because Sutton Turner came on as the general manager of Mars Hill. And Jesse Bryan worked for Mars Hill as a creative director, obviously, underneath the general manager. And he's basically, in this episode, making fun of Sutton Turner and saying, like, there is no way... I would submit to this guy. And I thought, here's just another example where atheist Jesse Bryant, and if he's not an atheist, because he never outright says it, but he also makes fun of his mom in earlier episodes for yeah. trying to lead him to faith. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you would explain him any other way that, than an atheist, because he simply doesn't understand Christian ideology in a Christian lifestyle. You know, because the idea of submitting to authority, especially in a church atmosphere, is absolutely Christian. Yeah. Um, How would
1: you expect an atheist to to do that?
0: You wouldn't. Like, you
1: can't hold them to a biblical standard when they're an atheist. What do you expect?
0: Yeah, and he's even done this, and we've talked about it in previous episodes where he, you know, talks about the church volunteers. They got asked to work more at the church, you know, twenty hours a week or whatever. And his point was like who benefits from these uh, volunteers working 20-some hours a week? He's like, oh, well, the pastors benefit. Because, again, he doesn't have a Christian mindset where, like, Mm -hmm. no, we work for the Lord, and our treasures are laid up in heaven. Mm -hmm. So we're working for ourselves, for God. So he doesn't understand Christian things.
1: Well, he's just speaking from Satan's point of view, like the victim mindset. He wants everybody to think, oh, poor me. Because, well, when he left, he was like that. He he was the victim. He Although the big he's victim. the one who stepped away.
0: And he not only mocks this Sutton Turner dude, but then he talks about how he gets fired. And sorry, spoilers, but I don't know if he gets fired or resigns. I can't remember. I think he basically he resigns resigned. because he won't submit to Sutton yeah. Turner. And he talks about how when he resigned, um, he didn't have, they basically took all of his stuff from him and he didn't have the money hmm. to even buy a new laptop to get his stuff from his computer that was the church's so he goes and like buys a hard drive and downloads the stuff and leaves but he keeps making the point throughout there that like this is my creative team this was like my team we did these things and i was like this dude's mindset's all wrong like that wasn't his creative team it was mars hill's creative team that worked for jesse Bryan, who worked for Mm -hmm. the other elders in that church right and then he talks about how the church goes through like a liquidation sale whenever it closes Mm -hmm. down and he's super spiteful. He's going to go back and he's like, I'm going to buy all my gear and he's calling it and I'm buying my gear. I'm getting all the gear that my team had. And like, if you remember back in these episodes, he bragged about how he got Mark Driscoll to basically spend all the church's money on this super high end. He didn't spend
1: a dime on any of it. He didn't spend a dime. And you know
0: that because he didn't even have money to buy a laptop. So right. how was he buying red cameras back in the early 2000s that probably cost tens of thousands of dollars? So he's like, I'm getting my gear back and I'm getting, you know, yeah. that's my team's gear. And like,
1: he should not have been on this show. He this shouldn't episode. have been on the
0: show. And <laughs> if you have a person like this in your church, and the reason this was so important to me is because man, in the Christian community, we are so quick, just like everybody. I mean, we're all flawed, but like we overlook these like spiritual and moral issues for the sake of like um, the performance or like the product that people put out. Cause I'm sure Jesse Bryan was a super talented director, very creative person. Yeah. So they overlooked his selfishness, his unwillingness to submit to authority. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's not a Christian for God's sake, working in your church. And even listening to this episode, I was like, I don't know what, cause he complains in there too, that like, once I left Mars Hill, it was so toxic. I couldn't find another job. And I was like, yeah, I hope you couldn't, if your job, if you were looking for work in churches, I sure hope you couldn't find another job because mm-hmm. nobody should be hiring Jesse Bryan in their church. Hmm. Um, so yeah, my biggest issue with this entire episode was Jesse Bryan.
1: They gave him a several minutes, like Oh, a pretty big chunk of it was him so complaining.
0: Irritating.
1: I'm like, what does this have to do with the church? I don't know. It just it was already too long of an episode. So I
0: don't know. <laughs> I can't yeah. They can just do away with Jesse Bryan. Yeah. Never been a fan of that and still not a fan. So yeah. is there a point you want to bring up? Because I rambled for a while on Jesse Bryan.
1: No, we don't need to talk about him more. Let's no, move on. I just
0: mean any other point. I know.
1: <laughs> Um, I was just wondering why they wouldn't let him come back and even go to the liquidation sale, like whoever was in charge of it. I just thought that was kind of odd that they wouldn't even let him come. I know they said it's friends and family, but is that how it goes? Is it just friends and family who can come to a liquidation sale?
0: Sure. If it's a liquidation sale, you can tell whoever you want to come in there. I'm
1: sure there's more to the story that he's just not telling us. They yeah. wouldn't just, you know, treat someone that way. Because I was just thinking of, um, well, I have a scripture, how we're supposed to um, love our enemies. So if he's an enemy, um, you know, do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You know how we should treat the Jesse Bryans. Um I don't know if, I mean, he worked with them for so long. You think he would have some connection. Like, I know you're not part of the church, but you can just cast off people who, you know, it was pretty much business for him. It was just a, you know, that was just his job. So I don't know why they had to treat him that way. And that
0: because sounded it's not like, like it he was... was
1: part of the body of Christ to begin with.
0: Well, and this episode, certainly made it sound like that was just the way they treated all ex-employees like once you left you were just gone yeah you, you know so
1: i don't know that just i don't know that was just one part that kind of bothered me about the church treating him that way because i mean the scripture goes on to say um uh you know that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust for if you love those who love you we're, What reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. So that scripture came to mind. Um, I don't know. I would like to hopefully find out someday why they wouldn't let him come. But I don't know. Maybe it was just friends and family. I don't know.
0: But. As always, pray for Jesse Bryan. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. no fans of his, but we still don't want to see him um, in hell. You know, he was around church and the gospel often enough. Yeah. It'd be nice to um, think that he was going to make it to heaven. They just think so. that he
1: had to be working for a messed up leadership church, you know? So well, how was he ever going to be, Now and not know, have another chance? Well, how would he ever listen?
0: And I'm still of the opinion that he played a large part in the turning of the old Mars Hill into the news Mar- oh, definitely. new Mars Hill. So
1: when he's like, this is my stuff that made me think Mark, when he said, whose church is this to, um, was it Tim? Yeah. Yeah. That's the same mentality.
0: Yeah. So pray for Jesse, still not a fan, but we want to see him in heaven. Um, But as the episode sort of opens, kind of the first big issue that's brought up in this episode is the book that Mark wrote, Real Marriage, Um, and they go into pretty deep lengths here um, to kind of describe what was such a big flaw in this book. Like, you know, obviously it wasn't necessarily the book too much, it was more the way that the church and Mark seemingly spent kind of the church's money Mm -hmm. to drive real marriage up the New York times bestseller charts um, and these sorts of things and how, you know, that was Mm -hmm. obviously not good. Um, Yeah. So that was one of the things, but what kind of caught me about the whole real marriage story. And we've had this issue with Christianity today. They make the point early on that this Real marriage and what was written in the book was this really controversial, you know, not what Marx normally preached. Um, they talk about how a lot of the different leaders and stuff in the church had a lot of issues with the book. But like Christianity and Mike Cosper have always done, they never actually tell you anything about the book. Mm-hmm. They just lead you down this path that real marriage is this really bad book. Everybody knew it was really bad. And then they just go, oh, so you should just assume it's really bad. And it could be, I've never read the book, but this is just more evidence. Cause they've done this in the past. Hey, Mark preached on this topic and it was super crude or whatever happened to be, but he, they never mentioned like a verse or what he had right. to, you know, if he was off base, if he was unbiblical. And then the same thing here, they're like, ah, you know, everyone knew this book was really weird and bad. And you're like, okay, oh well, cool. what they say in there? That was really awful. And then they're like, eh, just brush along. Just take our word for it. And mm-hmm. I really don't like that.
1: I know. It's just I know. There's just so many things that, that he says. And I'm like, well, we need to dig into this more. I don't know. Just a lot of... Oh, yeah, man.
0: I mean, it was just... Yeah, again, the book could be bad, could be good. I don't know. But I just don't like the way that they lead you down a path to believing It makes
1: you want to go get something. one, read it.
0: But... Um, <laughs> You know, they do make the point in there that there's this, you know, big time, uh, like, Christian publishing agent that works with, you know, other Christian authors and stuff. And they kind of make the point that, like, this is something, um, you know, this whole driving up sales might be something that more people do, kind of using their own money. But then they also talk about how Mark had sort of put out a bunch of these books and he got caught essentially plagiarizing In almost every book that he had, Mm -hmm. Um, and they sort of make this point that these celebrity pastors and Mark especially had essentially like creative writing teams that they would basically write. And they kind of alluded to the fact that they would write a lot of stuff for Mark and then he would kind of just put his name and a few finishing touches on it Mm -hmm. and then pump out a book you know, That's just
1: so crazy never because heard of that.
0: yeah, like now you just attach Mark's name to it. It becomes a more of a, you know, a better selling book kind of a thing. And I was just like, man, you know, I can't believe that this is only a Mark Driscoll thing.
1: Yeah. He gets all his ideas from someone though.
0: Well, I just, you know, you think about Christian authors and stuff like, you know, Max Lucado seems to have a new book out every Thursday, basically. <sighs> So you're right. like,
1: I'm like, where do they have the time? I wonder if Max
0: Licato is doing something. Again, I don't want to, you know, defame well, anybody well, or anything no, like that. Yeah. But like, people that put out so much content all the time and yeah. books and all this you stuff, you wonder. Like,
1: yeah, yeah like, I know they got a family. How are they?
0: Yeah. So just something to consider. Uh, it definitely sounds a little bit seedy, right? I mean,
1: they get all the praises for it, and
0: yeah, they get the uh, praises. It seemed like Mark was getting some royalties on this as well. Um, You know, the church paid for it. Mark got the royalties. Definitely. Mark looked bad, especially in the real marriage thing. Not necessarily for the content he wrote, because we don't know what he wrote, uh, but just for the way, obviously, the book was marketed. It was paid for. All that sort of stuff seemed dirty for a a normal person to do and really awful Mm -hmm. for a pastor to do. So um, definitely a big, big point there. So. Mm -hmm. um. And then, do you want to jump into any of your points? So I'm not always um, stealing the thunder.
1: Um, I didn't really have anything else on the book on that whole issue. I mean, no, that was I a big care. part of it and how they found out about it. I mean, there's a lot more to it, how that all got opened up and they discovered the plagiarizing. It was pretty cool, actually. I liked how how it went down. It just happened to be that, that um that lady had uh a show. What was it? Uh Janet.
0: Yeah, someone. I don't know. Some old radio talk yeah. show or something. But she
1: ended up knowing the, you know, who who yeah, it was he was plagiarizing. Like, like she knew that person really well. And was just what are the chances? I was just like that's well, kind of weird. they basically
0: CSI'd the plagiarizing in the book. They go into it they talk a lot about the real marriage sort of scandal and how they found out about it. The plagiarism is really fascinating. So, definitely give a listen to that and mm-hmm. be cautious mm-hmm. if you plan on writing books in the future Ooh. and stealing other people's work. So, uh, they will probably find you yeah. if you gain any notoriety. So,
1: yeah, that's embarrassing. That was really, I don't know. I just thought when she had him on her show, like, how he twisted it all and made himself a victim. And, you know, he was mad that she made the focus on him plagiarizing and how everybody, like, sided with Mark and, like, attacked her for just pointing out something obvious. Like, that's why she wanted him on the show, really. And she read his book and everything. And Oh, yeah,
0: he played the victim pretty well. Yeah, I'm
1: just like, wow. Like, her whole staff, like, they were against her. And it's just crazy. How people believe the victim, the and they're not even really the victim. It's just amazing how people fall for that. Well, and it's her reason. tone. Her tone was the problem. So she had to apologize for just her tone. A
0: naggy old woman.
1: I'm just, just like kidding. I like this girl. I it's just crazy. How yeah. All the people who sided with him.
0: Well, people play the victim because it works.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy, but. In the end, it didn't work for him.
0: Oh. So one of the other big issues and probably the biggest point um, from the entire episode that kind of spanned the entire ep- And it's really been a point that we've been talking about since episode one, essentially. The weak eldership that existed mm-hmm. at Mars Hill. And they make a point in there sometime in the first hour of the show. Um, where they're talking about uh, I think it's Sutton Turner is kind of talking about looking into the finances at the church, and then he's getting together with sort of sort of the elders and talking about finances, but they make a point, and I'm just paraphrasing here, where they say like the elders essentially, um, you know, they had the ability to stop Mark and the spending and stuff like that but they chose to essentially avoid conflict and sort of let him do what they want or what he wanted rather than getting into these constant conflicts with Mark and sort of the senior leaders of the church. And I was like, that is the point that I've been making
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's so nice to finally hear it set on here. And again, mm-hmm. not to prove that I'm right, but just the idea that like, if you don't have good leadership, Around you, like we've already talked about how Mark kind of seemed to have been led astray by some of these people that were in his life um, or in the church. And I was like, here's the eldership, at least admitting to the fact that, like, yeah, I mean, we had the ability as elders to stop a lot of the things that were going wrong in the church, but man, it would have been ugly, it would have been uncomfortable for us. So it was just easier to let Mark do it, and then he just took the fall as the bad guy. And it made our life easier. And I was like, what a bunch of weak, toxic leaders, you know, even to call themselves leaders. All
1: knew that he was just hurting other people in the church, like all the other people who had to experience just his ugliness, his, he had no mercy whatsoever. I was just thinking on his character, like he didn't represent God, um, a godly leader at all like everything was just like get on board with my ideas or you're out of here and you don't exist to me just like a narcissist would be
0: well and this is why fame is the worst drug in the world and you know you might again not trying to alleviate any of the guilt that mark bears but like you know as you're this big time pastor think you're called from god and then if you just have a bunch of leaders that just say yes to you on everything you're like yeah, what I'm doing is right. Everybody around me, all these other spiritual godly men are telling me Mm -hmm. that what I'm doing is right. I mean, if it wasn't right, they have the ability to stop it. Mm -hmm. So we're all apparently on board with this. And then, you know, you obviously get to the point though where, you know, now he doesn't even need that sort of affirmation because he's been so puffed up and prideful and all Mm -hmm. these sorts of things. And again, he still bears the weight of that sin, but like we've, have tried to show throughout this where it looks like these, the Jesse Bryans of the world have led Mark from being the guy he was um, when he founded the church and started the ministry to this guy he was in 2014, this sort of ugly monster <laughs> version of who he once was. And mm-hmm. a point that I just want to make because they make it in that cultish podcast um, because they talk in the rise and fall of Mars Hill that, you know, Mark didn't found the church on his own. He founded it with two other guys, one named Leif Moy and the other named Mike Gunn. And Christianity today sort of makes it seem like Mark threw these guys under the bus and just took the church from them and and ran them out. Um, And that's the way they're sort of portrayed as like victims of Mark Driscoll. Um, But if you listen to the Cultish podcast, the guy who worked for Mars Hill, he says in there, that it was a good thing that they left because he says Leif Moy and Mike Gunn had moral flaws um, that was best for them to leave the church. So, okay. uh, you know, and this is our biggest problem with everything in Christianity today, right? Because we know when you have two sides of a story, the truth lies somewhere in mm-hmm. between. Um, so we're only getting the Mark Driscoll's a monster point of view. Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear someone from the other side go, oh, I mean, maybe, but look, at there were a lot of other guys that did things wrong too.
1: everybody else is a victim when they like all contributed. They all knew, you know, that everybody talked about him behind his back. And then they all come together again, pretending they didn't just talk about what a horrible leader he is. And, and then they just continue working for him.
0: Yeah. And that was, again, goes back to the weak eldership in that church. And there was a point near the very end of the podcast um, they're re- recounting, um, if you remember episode one, they have this guy named Paul Tripp who sort of goes in and tries to work with the church, um, to sort of bring some healing and reconciliation. He ultimately steps away and then they have him, um, you know, taped on a phone call saying how this is the most toxic environment he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. one of the things they asked, uh, I think it was Mike or Paul Tripp that they ask and they say like, Hey, you know, what should we do to help this situation? And I'm, again, paraphrasing, but Paul Tripp says like, hey, do you remember when um, Mark gave you those gifts or whatever? And they're like, yeah, the stones. And Paul goes, yeah, you need to pick up your stones. Like, and a little more crude, but like you need to pick up your stones, like pick up your manhood and you have to go and attack this issue in the church. And I thought, that is so perfectly well said because these guys have spent almost what, 20 years or 15 18. years at this point, oh, at that point, 15, 18 years at this point of not picking up their stones mm-hmm. and just letting Mark apparently run roughshod over the whole place. And now here's a respected church sort of um, psychologist or whatever he was going, Hey man, uh, maybe it's time you guys stepped up and started acting like men, uh, Cause you haven't been doing that up to this point. And I thought there was a perfect example of it and it was so good. I wrote it down in a note and, um, there was a guy again, near the end of the podcast. His name was like Dustin Miller or something. If you remember that they were at this big conference, uh, it was like a year end conference, like a holiday conference that all the pastors went to for Mars Hill. And it was right near the end before Mars Hill finally crumbled and broke apart. And everyone knows, you know, there's all these issues going on. Um, And this guy's like, (laughs) he comes to the decision, this guy named Dustin or something like that. And he's like, I'm going to confront Mark at this conference. Um, He's like, I'm going to go and confront him and I'm going to let him know. (laughs) Big, big, tough Dustin's about to go and confront (laughs) Mark Driscoll. And then they're like, but then there was this, you know, really uncomfortable scene that happened. Basically completely aside from Mark Driscoll and was like and it just sort of messed up Dustin's great plan. Oh, so he ultimately right. never went and said anything to Mark, even though he was had his chest all bowed out. He's gonna go talk to Mark and then he's like, Well, but you know, something went weird. Why that even happened. talk
1: about your almost? It just looks bad. Don't even bring it up. Yeah, so instead <laughs> he goes
0: back and gets with like three of his friends and writes a letter. <laughs> and again, letters have their place, but like to me that was just more of that like Dustin, dude, pick up your stones. Go find Mark if you have this big issue and tell him. Don't be like, oh. He's just
1: doing what everybody else is. I'm gonna punch that guy to. in the
0: face. And you see him, and you're like, tomorrow I'll punch him in the face. And yeah. you just like duck out. Not that he's being violent in this. I think it's more of like a spiritual confrontation, yeah. but it's just more evidence of like weak elders that are like just shivering whenever Mark walks into. Her. Man, if I see Mark, I'm gonna tell him exactly what I think. And they're like, he's right over there, and they're like. Well, he's already engaged in a conversation to be rude for me to go up and talk like, Mm -hmm. no, dude, you're just admit it. You're too nervous to go and talk to to him. So, yeah, just I thought that was a perfect example of exactly what Paul Tripp was saying. Like, pick up your stones, more evidence from the last 11 episodes of weak, apathetic leaders. It's just
1: funny because Mark was always preaching that, you know, men be men, you know, be bold and all that. But then they couldn't do that in front of Mark.
0: Yeah, but now they're all on here, Christianity Christianity <clears throat> Today, you know, five, six years removed, telling you all the things they would have done, and I would have said, and yeah. you're like, all right, settle down, dude. Like, Hopefully
1: we actually learn and if, do differently next time, because I don't know, maybe they're yeah. all in a... And I don't want to mock these guys, because
0: we've all been in that situation where we're gonna, I'm, I swear if I see this, <laughs> and then we don't, because we punk out, but it's just... You know, in a church setting, especially, and this probably just goes for any business, but like, man, you got to have leaders that are comfortable with the uncomfortable, you know, and like, um, and that was kind of a theme that I saw throughout all of this, you know, Jen Smith is reintroduced Mm -hmm. here and she talks about more hardship and uncomfortable, all this sort of thing. And she's been talking about this. She's been going to this church and working there for 16 years and her husband. And I'm like, Years ago, he called you a heretic and all these things. Right. And like, you're still, you're still just there going, you know, but we love Mark and he's our guy. And like,
1: what? Like, it's are an you- abusive relationship. It is like the same mentality. I don't know.
0: And I get, I mean, and that's kind of the idea of this. Mark was this abusive guy and had everyone under his spell. But like, I mean, you're in this obviously toxic environment. She recognizes it. But they're still just like, well, you know, it's a good job, and it just reminds me so much of like the vaccine era that we live in, where people like, I'm completely opposed to. Well, I don't want to lose my job. I guess I better go and do it. Well, I mean, I can't homeschool my kids. I guess I'm going to have to get my five year old vaccinated and send him back to public school. And you're like, mm-hmm. no, man, stand up. Like, yeah, you don't have to just be afraid of everything. You know, if you're going to put your trust in God and your faith in God, you know, it talks about if He close the grass, the field or whatever. I can't think of the verse right now.
1: I'll care for you. He feeds the
0: birds of the air. Like how much more is he going to take care of you? Mm -hmm. And these people were pastors in a church, a reformed church, nonetheless, who likes to consider themselves much more traditionally biblical. And you're Mm -hmm. just like, I like, I wonder if you're reading that sermon right after Mark yells at you and you're like, well, but I mean, I, I, it's not about me and my job, you know, I got to make sure It it just, it all speaks of just apathetic and weakness. And I'm not pointing fingers because we're all weak and apathetic at times. And it just is highlighted here. And I just want to point that out that these were also issues, you know, because they talk again and here again, because they round it back to the very first episode Mark Driscoll resigns, and within three hours, a 15,000 person multi site church closes its doors. Nobody can step up
1: and take the reins. I wanted to point out the one ministry that's still ongoing is the one, was it, was his name Tim? Yeah. Uh, What was his last name? Tim?
0: Guida or something?
1: Brittany? Was that his wife? Am I getting the wife's I can't remember.
0: It's something with a G. Well,
1: he, was he the pastor of the downtown church? He was the pastor? Yeah. And yeah, that's where like a lot that was like the rough church. There was a lot of like one of the girls they helped.
0: Yeah, the sex trafficking was in
1: trafficking and her pimp had beat her up and they took her in and they started the ministry called it's called rest ministry, and it's ongoing to this day. So that is at least one thing still standing. Yeah. Because of the church. So at least it's actually doing real good you know the things that nobody is really going to give you praise for
0: right like, that's the hanging actual gospel with
1: the least of these that's and i just wonder if this pastor tim would have been at the church with mark if he would have been the one to stand up and things would have all turned out different he just ended up being the pastor of this other church downtown which is probably. God wanted him like God works everything out for good. I just now I'm interested in looking up this ministry and just yeah. seeing.
0: We'll have a link down doing. to that ministry. If we have a website link, it'll be down in the show notes. You guys, check it out. Support them. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like they do a lot of good he work ended for sex up traffic women walking in the Seattle away.
1: Area. I didn't know if you had it in your notes, but how when you hear in the beginning, like their intro song, well, Mark is saying like, I will I'll
0: tear his church down brick, brick by, by brick
1: in brick it. Now you know, from this episode, who he's talking to, he's talking to Tim and he tells Tim, if you don't um, move away and you build your own church, because he saw another church as competition instead of co-laborers, he said, I'll tear your church down brick by brick. Like, yeah. what in the world? Like, that is the worst thing so far that Mark has ever said. Like, the fact that you can see another church as competition Like, that's crazy. That statement alone disqualifies him as a pastor.
0: Yeah, because apparently when they would have these, they would fire these pastors, they would basically make them sign non-compete clauses. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it came down to like, you can't build a church within 75 miles of Seattle or something like that. Um, And this apparently was fairly common. He
1: built it in Seattle, though. I think eight months later.
0: Right. He ultimately, I think this Tim guy said he didn't sign it. Right. He didn't. Um, yeah, But one of the, uh, again, looking back on the eldership thing, because they talk about this, they make a lot of these people, they try to have them sign non-disclosure agreements and non-compete forms. Mm-hmm. And it's never Mark presenting these forms to these people. So there's other church leaders and elders, and they talk about interns and stuff like that, that are calling these pastors in and being like, you need to sign this form. Mm-hmm. Like nobody looked at that and went... Well, you're trying to have Tim, that godly dude downtown, have a non-compete clause? Mm. This is not appropriate. Nobody did that. It's just like, Mark wants to sign. I'm a church elder. Like, come on, man. Like, you're not just sleepwalking through life. But something else that I thought was interesting, because they pointed out, and I think they do it to make Mark look bad, as always. Everything they did in here was to make Mark look bad. But I don't think it's that bad. And they talk about this Tim guy. Who had this church. And one of the things Mark says in there is he's like, Tim does things that I can't do or whatever. And he basically making the point that like, he kind of runs his church differently than the way our church is run. And then they make the point that Mark, I think he says something in there that Mark wants to make Mars Hill like Starbucks. He wants basically every church to look the same. So when you walk mm-hmm. in the doors, you know what it looks like. And they kind of point that out to be like, hey, Mark isn't letting people, you know, whatever, be who they are and the way God leads them. And I don't think that's a bad thing, right? Because if you are this Tim guy, you want to be a pastor, but you sign up to be a Mars Hill campus, you're basically making Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill bear the burden of planning your church, you know, providing for your church, getting you off the ground, training, all these different things. But then like, as your church gets bigger and you're like, well, now we would just like to do our own thing. He's like, no, like that's still, it's us. It's Mars Hill. It should
1: be different because he was in a totally different location dealing with different kinds of people being downtown. I don't think they need the exact same message. They need different kinds of help. I think different people can't be the same.
0: That's true. But then I would say, don't be a Mars Hill church. Yeah. Like if you were like, hey, I right. really want to be an Assemblies of God church because they helped me get my church started and all these sorts of things. But then you get to an Assemblies God and you're like, I don't like people raising their hands and speaking in tongues and dancing around. Oh. That's just not my thing. You're like, hey, bro, like that's what we do at Assemblies. Well, well you of know God. what
1: Mark does? He says, well, God told me. Well, maybe they're all going to do the God told me thing at their own church. Like if that's your theme, God told me then everybody's church could look the same because God might be saying something different to each church.
0: I'm just saying like, if you're Mars Hill, I think it makes sense that you're like, Hey, we want everyone to have this experience. We want them to know what they're getting into when they show up to a Mars Hill campus. So you're not like, Hey, I'm in Seattle and I'm going to Mars Hill and I, yeah, I, Experience it the same well, yeah. way, and now I'm going to know what you Texas, mean. and I went to a Mars Hill co- or you know church, and it was a Roman Catholic right. you know cathedral, and well, you're like, the what church in God's we name went is to in
1: New Mexico? That was what they said. You go to another one in this state over here. It's gonna be the same. We have the same beliefs.
0: Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Again, I don't think every style of church fits every congregation. But again, if you don't want to yeah. adhere to the Mars Hill standard church,
1: but then did start he, your own church. Did Mark have the brand and lay those we rules before Tim became a pastor is the thing. We like,
0: don't know that. They just make the point that right. Mark's this guy who's super controlling and wants everyone to do it exactly the same way as him. And I'm like, I don't think that's bad because mm-hmm. if you have a brand, especially if you're like, our brand works, so do the way things the way we do them because it works. And if you're going to be a Mars Hill offshoot and you're going to take the Mars Hill money and get the Mars Hill training and all these well, things, then be a Mars Hill church. If you don't want that, perfectly okay. Well, Go that's why he church. stepped
1: away and he did start his own church. Fine. That's sounds how like it successful. should have gone down. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, and I mean, I'm okay with that. I just think, again, they make Mark look bad in this. And I don't. I think it's unfair. Because of that,
1: yeah. I don't think it's
0: unreasonable to think you would want people to have the same experience wherever they go.
1: It's not unreasonable.
0: That was just my point on it. So just
1: changing it after the fact when you already have had pastors established. I I don't know. You put them in a bad spot.
0: You do. And again, we don't know the history and the background on it. Um, But do you have any big points you want to bring up still? Um.
1: Um, I mean, I guess this is another stab at Mark, but how he wanted that assistant, that same church, Tim's church, the assistant to be fired because he was not there when Mark was there preaching and he was on his honeymoon. It was just unprofessional for him to be gone during that time on a honeymoon. And I thought, all right, that's a little ridiculous. And he told Tim, you got to fire him. You got to fire your assistant.
0: I didn't think you would bring that point up. I agree with Mark. Um, (laughs) Listen, I don't. The thing is, he was on his honeymoon for the church opening or like the reopening, so it wasn't like it was just a random Sunday that he missed. Mm -mm. This was like the church reopening, a big celebration day, and the assistants like, "I'm going to be on my honeymoon." But the
1: pastor okayed him to go.
0: Sure, he did. He still shouldn't have gone.
1: Well, isn't it family? And then. Family first. I don't know. Yes, but this isn't like love the brethren and just firing him is not loving. Like again, if maybe, he did everything yes, else right. He that was a good might be assistant.
0: extreme, I guess. Yeah, but again, if you're just an, a... and again, everyone's valuable. All these <laughs> but you talk about just an assistant. It's not like this guy was a pastor or something. Like maybe Mark was just like he's replaceable. Well, he hasn't. But he's just
1: like, you mess up once you're gone. That's who Mark is.
0: It's who he turned into, certainly. Um, but again, I just, I agree with Mark that... You
1: would have fired him.
0: I don't know that I would have fired him. Certainly, I think I'm, I would like to think I'm more loving. But I would have definitely, A, not approved him to leave then. Because it's a honeymoon. It wasn't like your baby was just coming out, out of nowhere. Your wife went to labor. Oh my God, <laughs> I have to get to the hospital. You can plan a honeymoon. You could have planned it to leave Monday yeah, but when instead of that, Sunday.
1: How much money did they spend on this honeymoon? Maybe months in advance, and then the church opening was planned after that. Anyway, I think it shouldn't have just been like. I remember this you're fired. as a
0: point. It was a few years ago, and there was a quarterback you probably don't know. His name is Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and he was having a child. I don't remember if it was his first child or a second or third child. And it was scheduled to be born on the day of they were playing in the Super Bowl, I think.
1: Oh, or so they were they going were... to.
0: And they were bringing up the point that, like,, Ben may have to make the decision to either miss starting in the Super Bowl. he's a starting quarterback, or miss seeing his child born. And they were like... You know, trying to make them like, well, what should he do? You know, family first. And I was you like, say, was uh-uh. it a
1: scheduled C section, you mean? Like they knew the baby was gonna
0: I don't think so. I just think it was like she could go into she's like right in the window or something. Hmm. And I was like, uh he better be at the Super Bowl. Like you're talking about a quarterback that gets paid twenty-five, thirty million dollars a year. Look, man, it does it sound unreasonable for most people? Yeah. But when you got an entire city all this stuff on your back.
1: I think it's fine. I agree Not with you. Not for a Super Bowl. I mean, like, you...
0: And that's a church of Super people Bowl. People go on
1: deployments and are gone on business trips and stuff. And yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's life. It, that's a big career. I mean, you so, signed up for it.
0: I don't think the assistant should have been gone. He shouldn't have been fired for it. But I think Tim and him probably should have been maybe uh, spoken to about that. Like, hey, man, this is kind of a big day. I'm your you know, campus big dog pastor. I'm coming here to preach and your assistant's not even here. Like, come on, man. Get your crap. Yeah, well, together. he needs
1: an assistant. He can't just fire so, him and not have someone else ready.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He was I prepared for it. Whatever. I'm glad you brought that up because I
1: <laughs> I'm okay with it. Um, I know. I know we don't agree on everything. But it's okay. Uh, um do you have any other things you want to bring up? I'm looking over my notes.:
0: One right. last point that I have written down, and this is just a side note. Mike Cosper and Christianity today sort of almost go out of their way to throw David Barton under the bus on this episode. And I forget
1: who. He he's, was.
0: Uh, he's a very patriotic Christian. He does a lot of work at this company called Wall Builders, basically trying to find out the faith of our founders and all these sorts of things. And Christianity Today sort of out of nowhere kind of throws him under the bus and sort of his Christian nationalist beliefs. I didn't think it was necessary. It didn't help the episode really at all other than to be like, oh, this Christian nationalist dude is that his views are incorrect. And I was like, come on. Like, for what's the point? I don't know. I'm a fan of David Barton, you know, but just it seemed unnecessary. I don't know.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I didn't. I don't remember all. I don't know. There was just so many people they brought up, like I said. like There's just so many little points and situations to talk about. And I thought this one guy, Jared Wilson, he was a blogger for Acts 29. I forget what the Acts 29 was all about. Like, I hear it brought up, but it I need to be reminded. It was a
0: church planting organization. Okay.
1: Because he was, and then TGC.
0: That's the Gospel Coalition. Oh,
1: okay. Well, he just had just this quote how, and I can't remember exactly what he was talking about, what he talking about. Mark as Jesus has become lost in Mark's shadow. Just good line. I, I just liked that line. I thought, yeah, that's true. I think that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a good line. And that's obviously ultimately the saddest part about this whole series of shows because Mark's early days and Mars Hills early days sounded like an amazing, um, Mm -hmm place to hear the gospel and, Mm -hmm. um, worship God and all of that was squandered and lost. And that in and of itself is sad. And, um, yeah, yeah, so
1: it is a very sad story. This whole thing is really tragedy, but in the midst of it, God was working in people's lives and really, um, just showing people the the true gospel what's important because I think there's a lot of churches like um Mars Hill that have the same problems. And I I remember a church we went to where I got to know a couple and they vaguely were trying to say yeah the higher up the leadership you go the worse it gets and I didn't know what they were talking about then. I was like, "Why did they why did he say that?" And they were in ministry and they were in ministry with a mega church and and I'm wondering now maybe very similar thing
0: oh I'm certain this isn't that unique
1: um,
0: <laughs> you know maybe the extent to what mark went um might be unique but this idea of and again this is the CEO business mindset. I mean, if you business. go into a fortune 500 mm-hmm. company, this is what it is. It's cutthroat. When
1: you try to make a name for yourself instead of elevating the name of God alone. This is what it turns into. Yeah. You make money off of the gospel and yeah, it's, and it's sad because it's going on everywhere and you know what you're doing that people are going to ultimately be, um, knowing your name and knowing more about your church than, than they probably know about the word of God to even test all things that you're even doing in your church and preaching about.
0: Yeah, definitely. So this episode's ran pretty long. Um, but is there any last thoughts that you have before we end this?
1: You want to end it already? I have another page. Well, maybe there are things you already talked about cause I'm kind of scattered. um,
0: I mean, if you have other good points to bring up. There's just so many things
1: that happened. Well,
0: I don't want to dig into every, because again, this was a super long episode. I just wanted to kind of hit some of the high points. um,
1: Yeah. Because there's so
0: many new characters, old characters sort of brought back in. um, Stories that are kind of retread, because we've already hit on some of them. um, So we're just kind of rehashing them here. But
1: um, Well, yeah, if you want to end it. At the end, near the end of the episode, they were playing um, a clip of Mark where he says at the end that, well, God is speaking to me and he's saying now all that I should be doing is loving my family and preaching the gospel. And I just thought that isn't what God is now speaking to you. That's what you should have been doing the whole time. That's all it is. And he's saying, now this is what God is telling me to focus on now. Just this. It's like, what were you focused on before? Not that.
0: Well, and that <laughs> goes back to his, really his original calling.
1: Yeah. You know, if you remember back in the first couple of
0: episodes, it was love grace, yeah. preach the gospel and train men. Yeah. Like that was his mission from God. and yeah, And that's what's sad. And that's what this episode, this whole season or series shows is. 18 years or whatever of a man with a pretty well-defined and pretty effective gospel mm-hmm. that lost his way um broke a lot of you know hearts and uh ruined a lot of relationships and lives along the way and um you know before he finally <laughs> had his eyes i guess the scales removed from his eyes and um he ultimately you know at least the show doesn't say that he went into full repentance so We don't know what the full outcome of this is, but yeah, it looks like you know he he at least remembered back to his sort of original mission of yeah, love my family and preach the Bible. I Um,
1: hope he sees that how he lost his way and then started at square one again. Would it it would be really neat if he was on the last episode?
0: (laughs) That'd be a big surprise. (laughs) That
1: would be because I don't know. After all the trash talk from Mike Cosper, it would be kind of odd to like interview him knowing like oh man be
0: good <laughs> so well yeah and the i guess the next episode comes out november 23rd so they yeah. say so we will definitely be reviewing that for you guys but do you have any last things as we wrap this up
1: Hmm. i don't really have anything new like i said it was just a lot like i'd want to go and listen to it again and i'm sure there's just way more points that we could talk on but
0: yeah there's a lot i mean there's a
1: lot to learn from it all just
0: listen to it and yeah i mean my final point here is just yeah toxic leaders you know mark seemed to be that um but this is a bigger issue than mark and like mm-hmm, you mentioned definitely. if you are in really if you're any if you're in any church i mean first off if you're a pastor definitely you need to be aware of you know your tendencies your flaws um mm-hmm. you need to not surround yourself with yes men um, right. and then if you're in a church eldership or really just a if you're a church member, for God's sake, you need to take it on yourself to not just cower right. and, you know, just be in awe of whoever your pastor is. I don't care if it's John MacArthur, or Mark Driscoll, or just Bill from down the street leads your small church. Like you need to correct them when they're wrong. Um, you need to be open to their correction. Like the church is a family. It's a body mm-hmm. of believers. And it you know, it only not works when we're a
1: threat to each other.
0: We're not a threat to each other. Yeah. And it only works if we're all like following Jesus together. Mm-hmm. You know, and it sounds like Mars Hill and these elders, they were following Mark. Yep. They were in awe of Mark. Um, you know, they even talk in this episode where they realized as the church sort of advisory board that looked at the finances was like, Yeah, we need to get Mark back here pretty quickly, um, so we can get this money rolling back in and just you know, you're a family, keep each other accountable. Um,
1: yeah, I because we're it,
0: all liable to fall like this. I mean, right. Mark I isn't think, unique.
1: Right. And I don't think we should look at Mark and say, Oh, look at all his failures. Cause God over and over again, uses the old Testament as an example to us, lest we fall into the same problem.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's not like he, yeah, he's used as an example So let's not become so haughty and prideful to think we can't fall into any of the same um, kind of falls, I guess, just the pride, the the arrogance. And that, you know, one of the things that he said, the other terrible things he said is he doesn't take, um, I guess, advice from other pastors that have smaller churches than him. When did it get that far? And, and you know, the, he wasn't even on that path to begin with. It slowly happened, and everybody saw it, but they didn't want to admit it. You know, and they brought up the thing like the frog slowly boiling in water, mm-hmm. and it did. It happened over, what, 18 years, or well, what Jen Smith said, I guess.
0: Or whenever Jesse Bryan showed up. You
1: know, right? It's just we can slowly fall into that kind of mindset. So I'm sure he prayed, God, build this church, God, do all this. Well, God did, but then what happened to him?
0: Right. And again, and I don't think this is unique to Mark, you know, I I don't, there's not very many churches I've ever been to, or I'm sure churches that are out there in the country that aren't, um, very, I guess, focused on growth. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that allure and that, you know, um, hypnotic, I guess, state, if your church starts growing and really exploding to the way that his did, I'm sure can, we're all liable to fall into that trap of pride and arrogance and, you know, our views change and where it was the gospel, but now it's business and mm-hmm. now it's books and now it's, you know, news yeah interviews and you know so we're all liable to fall so
1: the gospel shouldn't be a burden like that to people the church family shouldn't be a burden no
0: nope, it shouldn't be but yeah keep this in mind i mean we're all liable to just you know either help or hurt people um, that are in leadership or not you know if you're an elder on a church board if you're a member if you're a pastor like take this stuff to heart and if you've looked back on your life and you've been going astray you know, repent and make it right. And if you've allowed other people to go astray, repent and go and, uh, you know, stand up. Don't be afraid of the outcome. Do what's right and uh, let the chips fall where they may. So that is all we got. Please go give it a listen. Um, If you're on the podcast, please consider following us. Drop us a nice review. We'd appreciate it. Like and follow us if you're on uh, Rumble or YouTube. And we will be back next wednesday or saturday i guess with the news of the week and then um next wednesday probably with another mars hill wrap up and wrap up that's what we got
1: sad it'll be over (laughs) Uh, i'm about ready
0: for it to be but that's all we got for you guys love you god bless